you know yourself if you've done a long race sometimes your, your hips and stuff can be sore when you're sleeping yep. at night so they're just nettles and briars and brambles length of that GPX that actually it made me a little bit disheartened so I'm not looking any longer at the moment I'm just section by section is the only way I can go um, we reset and we start again tomorrow Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Pylon Ultra podcast. I, tonight, will be speaking to my co-host Paul Giblin. So for those of you listening, Paul is currently one week into his end-to-end trail endeavour, which takes in Land's End to John O'Groats all on trail, um, which is an epic undertaking in its own right. And Paul has agreed to have a quick conversation with me tonight to talk through how his first week's gone, how he's feeling, and just his reflections on the week gone past. So listen in, grab a brew, and enjoy. As I said in the intro, we're here with Paul taking a break, literally from his um, grueling event, and he's going to speak to us for this very special edition of the Pile and Ultra Pod. So, hi Paul, you're looking chilled, is that the word I would use to describe you just now? Yeah, good, because um, we're actually out the van and we're not in some muddy field or by the side of a road or whatever. We've got a cheap travel lodge tonight. We thought it was the right time to kind of do it. Um, it kind of works for me to get a wee bit of work done and just to try and reset ourselves a wee bit. You know, it's really hectic just being on the move the whole time and then trying to find somewhere to stay and changing clothes. And we just built up like loads of dirty clothes and I've run out of socks now and stuff. So um, a wee chance to put on some fresh clothes, have a bath. I had a wee, there's got a wee mini bath in there, but it was amazing. It was the best bath I've ever had in my life. It says it all about, um, I guess, the journey you've been on so far when a travel lodge is now a, a oh, line in luxury. Oh, it's absolute luxury, I'm telling you. Because we've both been sleeping in the van, so I'm sleeping in the upstairs bit of the van on a tiny, thin mattress. And you know yourself, if you've done a long race, sometimes your, your hips and stuff can be sore when you're sleeping yep. at night chucking a wee thin mattress on top of that and a sleeping bag and trying to get up into the roof every night. Um, yeah, to have a bed is going to be amazing. I, I almost imagine you're sleeping on like, the travel equivalent of two slices of Rye Vita. That was slightly soggy in the middle. Brilliant. So listen, what, what I'll do is, I'll just for the, 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 the people who are listening to us, I'll just give you a kind of brief recap on where you're at and we'll ask you some questions about the journey you've been on whilst yeah. you're sitting in the lap of luxury there. So um, as we speak, it is um, half past six on the 15th of August. So you're seven days in to the, um, the end-to-end um, endeavour. So you started on Monday the 9th and today's the seventh day. So just give us a kind of brief pressy of the journey you've been on so far. Yeah, obviously Gavin and I travelled down we travelled down on Saturday I think before and we slept somewhere near Bristol and then went down to Land's End on Sunday afternoon so Land's End's a bit of a strange one there's like a a bit of a tourist attraction there and it's not the best place in the world but big car park but you're not supposed to stay there overnight our plan was to park the van up there just so we're ready to go on the trail first thing in the morning so a bit of drama there to start we started at seven o'clock on or just after seven o'clock on monday morning and um, had some kind of heavy rain overnight and it was kind of wet at the start as well which was unfortunate but you're straight on the southwest coastal path there I think the, the southwest coastal path is much longer than the section that we were doing I think it goes the other way past Land's right. End as well but um, yeah it's pretty spectacular right from the start really you're just on these incredible cliff tops um, which you're along the cliff tops then you're dropping down into a valley back up again and it's just that for 
whatever it was, 150 miles of up and down. So actually, um, when I look at the ascent figures on that, um, there's no big long climbs at all, but actually you were doing most of the days were 3,000 metres or 3,500 metres and stuff. Um, so yeah, there was quite a lot. It was quite rough, quite hard uh, start to the whole endeavour. That's like um, what the boxing equivalent of just being jabbed to death, isn't it? There's yeah, no, like, yeah. no uppercuts, uh-huh. jab, jab, jab. Uh-huh. Um, and so after you've done the South West Coastal Path, you're, you're absolutely right. It swings round and then comes across the South Coast. But you're kind of heading, I guess you would be heading sort of east, kind of northish with there. Yeah. Where, where do you end up after that? Uh, so once we left there, um, we went through a couple of towns, but um, then we were Exmoor National Park, uh, which we're kind of through in a day, uh, which was nice. It was a nice change for me just to get on some kind of boggy moorland. It felt like it, any change is kind of nice after a while. Um, and then the last two days have been super tough. Like yesterday in particular was the toughest day I've had, even though on paper you'd have looked at it and thought, there's hardly an ascent, it's a straightforward day, you'll be done in no time, but it was just horrible. Um, so coming across the country where there's no proper established trail, you're just on these bridleways and public access paths, which they don't maintain at all. So I don't know what the agreement is with farmers and whatever, but it's like they deliberately don't want people walk, walking on them. So they're just nettles and briars and brambles and you get stuck um, in a field if you're on the wrong side of the hedgerow you can be half a mile down a field and then you have to go all the way back and try and find a way to cross over the dike and yeah it was just it was heartbreaking yesterday um, I'd had a tough day the day before a long day um, and then yesterday just took a little bit longer to get to Cheddar uh, and then we finished by going up Cheddar Gorge and over the top uh, last night so I was pretty destroyed last night actually it's the lowest of felt I think um, so I slept a wee bit longer this morning and then we had a shorter day today so that we could get to this hotel and do a wee bit of work and I felt pretty okay today so um, we reset and we start again tomorrow and I guess that's something you're probably going to have to learn as you go Paul about there can be an obsession with a plan here right but you've not had boots on the ground on a lot of this terrain before so you're going to have to adapt as you go and if that means you push because it's been better or you, you pull back and I guess you've just tried to make a, a sensible and wise decision um, so just I mean when, you, when you're talking that through you, you're obviously you've anticipated going out on that, that day yes, um, yesterday and, and, and today I guess and you're thinking right I'm off the coast now and the coast is, you know the coastal paths are going to be tough right because they tend to be rocky in those undulations yeah. Yeah. but you were probably anticipating something something akin to a, I don't know a, a nice Land Rover Trail for the next hundred miles yeah. or something like that, and then you get hit with that. Um, so what? What was your, What was? What's been your biggest surprise as you've gone through this first? I don't know how how far have you ran so far actually. That's that's probably worth checking. I think I, I had a quick look. I've not really been tracking total distance just because it's so big. You think? Yeah. I just avoid it. I just focus on what have I got left in this next section. But I think it's around four hundred and fifty kilometres would be about right according to the guidebook. Now the problem I've had with the guidebook is the distances are not what is the reality of the distance as far as and my Garmin is concerned and I kind of you get to the point you kind of trust your watch and and the distances feel about right so um the published distances in the book have been much shorter than the actual distances which is frustrating it's fine if it's just a kilometer but like it's maybe been 20 percent on some sections so you think you've got a 30 kilometer section to do and you know it's 36 and 6k towards the end is it's it's like a lot of things 
Oh, it could be easy, easy, yeah. Yeah, sometimes longer if you're climbing something like Cheddar mm-hmm. Gorge and stuff to get out of it. And um, you were talking about the ascent. Is the the level of undulation surprised you in this first week? Well, I saw the numbers certainly on the coastal path, um, but because, like you said, because it's quite rocky, it actually takes it out of you a fair bit, um, and because you can't get a good rhythm, whereas I'm used to doing much longer climbs that you can get into a groove for a while and it doesn't quite feel so bad. The, the section I did yesterday, I looked at it, and I think the total ascent was like 150 metres or something, so it was nothing, and it was like a 40k section or something, so you're thinking, this is okay. But honestly, I would have traded anything. I would have traded Cape Wrath to instead. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like, it's just heartbreaking. Every time you turn a corner, right, you've got to try and find this little style, which is just completely covered in nettles. And you're thinking, right, what field am I going to step into next? And some of it was like a cornfield that's seven foot high, and I've got to try and get through this cornfield and just follow a line on my watch. And there's different access rules and stuff today. I actually had company today, so had somebody running with me today. And uh, we got to this part that you're supposed to go down the bottom of the field and then cross to the right of this field. There's a small, narrow channel that's covered in nettles and briars. And we get halfway up it. And it's just, it was impassable. It was totally impassable, right? So I said, um, like, we need to just step over this fence. I step over the fence and the landowner is there. And she comes at me, James, like, screaming at me, get off my land, get off my land. And just, she was just gone wild, honestly. I've never seen anything like it. And eventually I I kind of said, well, oh, she screamed at me. Like, I've got people here who are paying to be on my land. And I said, well, w- w- what money do you want from me to be on your land? I want to use 10 metres of your land because the path is impassable. She just wouldn't listen at all. It was just insane. Yeah. So she was taking photos of me and stuff. If you see, like, a wanted poster with my face on it, that, that I did do that. I did step onto her land for about 10 metres and back <sighs> off again. Okay, you better get up um, north as quick as possible where the extradition mm-hmm. rules are, are, are different. And and I guess that's probably a relatively new experience for you coming from um, Scotland where you've got the right to roam. And generally yeah. speaking, there's, yeah. there's there's clear and defined pathways across almost any bit of land you'll go on, yeah? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's um, it's really tough and it's really open my eyes to it. And I realise how difficult it must be to find good trails around here because there's plenty that are marked as public byways or whatever they call them but um, they're just, they're not maintained at all and it looks like they're deliberately not looked after and I don't know whose responsibility it is, I don't know if the landowner is supposed to keep some of it clear or not or it's the council, I don't know but um, like I've found some really difficult bits where there's a little arrow that says a public byway and a farmer's put up big fences that are almost unclimbable obviously deliberately because they don't yeah. want people to get through the land but it's like it's meant to be for the public so yeah that's been that's been really stressful actually there is a, there is a, um, and I'm going to speak from a position of semi ignorance here because I'm I'm not into the detail of it, but there is a big movement and campaign um, in England about some of that, and possibly in Wales as well. I don't know if it applies within Wales um, around access because these are recognised as public highways through, you know, ancient laws in some cases. Yeah. Um, but if they fall out of use. That that um you that the the public byway use is therefore withdrawn. So there is right. that's part of the reason for some of that. I mean, I'm I'm as I say, I'm speaking from a mild point of ignorance on that, but I remember reading some stuff on that. So interesting. And you said you had some company today, so we'll talk a wee bit about the company um, you've had in a, in a minute. But I guess before we go into talking about what you've had in the past. For anyone listening, um, if you can bring a strimmer with you in the next couple of runs, exactly. that'd be great. Uh-huh. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether it's Black and Decker or Fly More, whatever. We don't <laughs> care so long as it yeah. cuts the nettles. Um, yeah. So, 
Community engagement's been really important for you, Paul. I mean, I've seen, seen some great stuff on social media and some nice messages, and I, I know there's been a couple of people out with you. What What's that been like? Because you're in a really remote part of the country, so, so has it been more digital engagement than physical engagement? It's, it's been mostly online, um, and it's usually, like, during the day sometimes I can get some messages, and I've sent some friends some voice messages, and they've sent me some stuff as well, and that's really nice because... You can just put it on. It feels like somebody's with you. So, um, like, some of the, the last couple of days have been quite long days be- between seeing Gav. So it might be five, six, seven hours. So it's not like, you know, if you were maybe doing this on road or something, you'd see your crew pretty regularly all the way through. And it does help to keep your spirits kind of lifted a wee bit. Yeah. Um, so I've been out there and see with the stress of crossing some of this land and being in the wrong place on the nettle stings and whatever, it's quite they're quite difficult days so um, the messages that I have been getting have been really useful um, on the first day I think it was towards the end I was actually feeling pretty tired on the first day um, and somebody came out and just appeared from the middle of nowhere and I could see some, a runner standing on his phone he's like Mr Giblin is that you and I'm like you're here to run with me so that was amazing we ran for like I don't know 12 15k or something and uh, he was like well prepared and uh, brought water and some um, bars and stuff like that in case I needed them and uh, that was good just to pass the time and have some good chat and then Giacomo came out today he lives in uh, Portishead so he came out and we had about 15 kilometres today I just have to apologise to him he was with me when we had this big run in with the the landowner and uh, I don't know if I frightened him or <laughs> the lady frightened him or whatever but yeah I just couldn't believe the way I was being spoken to you know it was just uh, there was no having a conversation at all I was just I wasn't trying to be cheeky about it I was just going to say listen is it okay if I just walk up there for a second but apparently I have I was carrying TB on my running shoes, so that's a new one for me. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, and, and the digital engagement, you said you've been getting voice messages or, or, or stuff from people. I guess the further you get into this, and, and in a weird sort of way, it can be overwhelming, you know, all these things popping through in your phone, but people should probably be aware that that one bit of encouragement and that one thing could land at just the right time for you. Yeah. Absolutely, James. I think that's a good point, and uh, I should—it's a good reminder. Like, I can't get back to everything because sometimes I see something. I'm like, oh, that was a bright message. I feel really good about it. I put my phone back because I'm trying to get over a style or get through some nettles, and then you're just into the rest of the day. Then, and then, even last night was a long day and it was tough. And uh, a few people came out last night as well, which was great. Uh, Renee and June were out last night, which was brilliant. Um, I just don't, I can't always get back and then with no signal overnight at all. So I couldn't yeah. do any updates, which I haven't done. So um, I'll do an update about yesterday and today uh, later once I finish work stuff. And I think that's an important thing for any for anyone listening is, is you might sometimes think that you're sending messages into a void. It's like, does it get yeah. them? You know, but yeah. the, the, the bottom line is, is that you're, there's a timing thing, there's an access thing, but there's always, I guess, from your point of view, an appreciating thing. It's like, I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, and I think um, I would encourage anybody just to take that minute because it can make all the difference. And I've been on the receiving end in some of the much smaller adventures I've done. I was um, having a chat on WhatsApp today with a, a bunch of other runners and um, we were just talking about how you were getting on. And um, Some of the guys were asking if I had any inside knowledge and I was like, well, uh, I don't really, you know, other than the messages we've traded back and forth you just kind of follow the track and see how you're going on but one of them quipped and said only Paul would um, take Land's End to John O'Groats and try and make it tougher um, so <laughs> I was having a wee look at the map and tomorrow you cross over into Wales yeah. looking forward to tomorrow. that yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. yeah. Nice um, over the bridge that's going to be a, a lovely cross and I've 
driven over that bridge many a time, but I've never walked over it, so that should be fun because that's some epic crossing there. Looks it, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can actually see it from here, so um, yeah, it should be a nice one. Brilliant. And then, so I was looking at the map, and then it, it, I was following the map up. You get to a bit Monmouth. I don't know how far you'll get tomorrow. Obviously, you're, you, you've got um, you've got your own kind of plan and how you, you'll go through things. And then you can just see the line that you would take, this nice straight line heading north, but it looks like it heads straight um, west as you head into hill, some hills and wales and stuff. So the way I was describing it to some of the guys was it's going to meander and it's going to rise and fall a lot over the next few days. How are you feeling about that? Is there is there is there a bit of this is this is you, you realising the the size of the the task ahead of you now? Has it been become more overwhelming or have you got more respect for it? Uh, it's maybe become a wee bit more overwhelming. Yesterday, as I said, was a kind of tough day. And I started the day, I kind of zoomed out on the tracker for the first time because I thought, oh, it'll show me that I've done like that really long bit, you know, which is just how the coastal path and stuff. And it'll feel like I've, I'm making progress. And it was such a tiny part of the overall length of that GPX that actually it made me a little bit disheartened. So I'm not looking any longer at the moment. I'm just section by section is the only way I can go. I think I'll be happier um, when I maybe get around kind of Sheffield way. Um, it'll feel like I'm I'm finally going kind of straight north for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, that bit that's going <laughs> going back the wrong way is, is kind of hard. There was even a one bit yesterday or the day before you kind of go south again for a wee bit, which was <laughs> kind of hard to take. I'm like, I don't want to go south. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whose idea was this? And then... <laughs> And, and you're right, you, you kind of go straight line once you get to Sheffield, but I guess you're starting to hit some tough terrain as well, because that's when you'll start to hit the Pennine Way and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I've got my geography absolutely yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you've been at it seven days now, and you've done an epic amount of dif- distance and an epic amount of ascent, and you know you could do, on the flat, much greater distance over seven days, but you're, you're obviously trying to both conserve energy but forge ahead. So you're treading this red line, right, between yeah. getting as much out each day as you can but not breaking yourself so that you can't go the next day and the next day and the next day. How have you found that challenge? It's a difficult one, James. Like, the the kind of natural competitor in me is like, well, just keep pushing on, keep pushing on, and uh, maybe we can do another 10K or maybe we can do another 20. The thing that... or the one benefit, I guess, of it being on trail is if you were doing it on road, you could do that. So you could maybe even stop and have some dinner and then think, right, we'll just do another 10K tonight, whatever. Yeah. But we we need to agree somewhere that we're going to stop for the night. So we either need to find a car park or we need to find a campsite. So that kind of determines that we're going to have to make a call earlier in the day where we're going to stop. And we can't just then, it's not easy for us then to pack up the van again and do another 10K and then go and pick me up and take us back to the campsite and whatever. So um, that bit makes you have to commit like midday where you're going to finish that night um, and it, it leaves us to risk so the other night whenever we've been trying to get campsites if we can because it means I can get a shower yeah. um, but the other night we were in wherever it was Somerset or something and it's all kind of farmland or whatever we couldn't find anywhere and it was late at night so you're just at the side of some single track road and a wee lay by um, trying to <laughs> get clean with some wipes and whatever you know so um, as yeah. lorries come here and past as well uh, trying no. to get sleep yeah uh, so um, it might be a bit easier once we get towards like the Pennine Way and they've got established trails I think that kind of stuff might be a bit easier I'm hoping <laughs> and you've said we a few times so for anyone 
who's not aware, who's listening, Gav Boosie, um, is crewing you. So Gav appeared on a, a, an earlier episode um, of the Pylon Ultrapod when we did the special on yourself and Graham's Cape Wrath um, FKT. Um, so how much are you relying on Gav to help make some of those logistical decisions? Are you, you just asking him to give you a bead and you'll just follow, or you, is it a collaboration? Yeah, Gav's just doing an amazing job. It's like I realise what a big ask it was of me because he's just it's full time for him and, and, and I know he gets tired and I know he's probably getting fed up because it's just like well I need to be there and I need to get some tea and get sorted and get back out and then Gav has to try and find somewhere for us to stay, he's thinking ahead about right, supermarket, we can't the van's really small, you can't buy like two weeks worth of shopping, it just doesn't fit in the van so every couple of days he's trying to think of stuff, what can I give him at lunchtime, what can we have for dinner, what's easy but nutritious and all that stuff um, and we're just trying to work out how we can get to different places so um, yeah he's doing an amazing job with that and I feel quite bad about it sometimes but um, he's still here and he's still smiling and he's taking a couple of bags of washing and um, somebody offered to do some washing for us uh, wash our clothes and dry them overnight and we'll pick them up in the morning so um, he's way over there dropping them off and coming back with pizza Brilliant. And do you not think, though, that that's a, that's a good mark there of um, how kind people can be when it comes to just offering help? Like people turning up out of nowhere, um, landowners aside, obviously, yeah. um, but people willing to take that gear you, you've been meandering through that trail on and put it in their washing uh-huh. machine, put their hands on it and put it in their uh-huh. washing machine. Um, how, how kind are people? Are you finding that as you go along? Yeah, yeah, people like that have been amazing. That's why I couldn't actually go and take it to him. I'd be too embarrassed, but Gav was okay about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's away with two bags of washing. And Gav needs his stuff washed as well, you know. It's like you're Absolutely. trying to, you try to travel light and not have every piece of kit that you've got and Gavin needs to change his clothes and stuff as well so yeah we've had a few kind of uh, dirtbag nights that were not smelling the best and I went down there to get my computer from the van and it wasn't smelling the best when I'm stuck and stuck oh, my head in I really don't want to think about it. my office is bad enough when I'm in it for 8 hours a day never mind um, yeah. some of the smells that will be following you guys around so as we said you've been you've been into in this for a week now and I guess you've talked about just the, the, the scale of it, the enormity of it is um, being amplified with some of the experience you've had. And I think you're doing well to manage um, some of the distraction techniques to put that to the back of your mind. What surprised you in a positive sense most in the, the journey you've been on so far in, in terms of maybe something about yourself or it might be something about the environment? But what what has been like a oh, wow, oh, wow moment for you? Um, environment stuff, like... The Southwest Coastal Path, Cornwall and stuff, I've never been down there. And I know I've seen pictures and it's a beautiful place and great beaches and all that, but it's absolutely stunning. Like, really beautiful. Um, definitely worth a trip down there on holiday, although um tends to get quite busy. From a personal side of things, it's like, particularly last night, I finished, it was the first night I finished that... Um, I just felt really tired and fed up and low and I didn't want to eat anything. I didn't want to drink. I just wanted to lie down and was kind of had enough. Um, so you can get to that point where you feel really low and then I get up today and I get out of the van and walk over to the portal and my legs don't feel that good. My feet don't feel that good. And then within 10 minutes, I'm actually feeling like, well, I'm okay here. And then you get your stuff on, you go back out, and I ran okay today. I ran pretty well. So that's been happening day after day. I don't know if that's always going to happen, that I'm going to feel okay. Uh, if you get five or six hours sleep, then 
that's enough to help you recover. And I'm doing everything else I can to try and uh, make sure I'm getting the right kind of foods and stuff to help me recover. But you can get to a point, is what I'm trying to say, that you're feeling like it's the end and it feels awful and you just don't want to do it. That can turn around quite quickly and hopefully that will continue for now because it's yeah, still a long way to go. Um, and I'm trying not to think too much about how long. <laughs> and it's amazing though we, we often say it Paul to some of the people we coach that the mark of your fitness isn't often the times you run or the distances you run but it's the speed at which you recover and you get to go yeah. again yeah. Um, which, yeah. which can happen in a moment or can happen over, over days as you're doing so that's really heartening to hear So, and you'll be relying on that resilience and relying on that power of recovery as you go because th- there's so many things you're going to have to adapt to and unforeseen events and uncontrollable events that you're just going to have to ride them and run them um, in, a, in a, almost in a literal sense when it comes to run stuff so it's good that you've, you're building some of that confidence in your body's ability to go again um, I suppose one one other thing I was really really interested in and you touched on it a wee bit there was just how you're managing your recovery and your nutrition as you go from one day to the next because that is a that's got to be a tight turnaround and a critical part of your 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 prep and your your readiness for the next day and the next day so what does that look like what does that, what does it look like when you finish at night you get to eat you get to drink and then you you move you move to bed what happens? Yeah, it's like a really short window. It's it's quite tricky. So I might be finishing at eight or just before eight, but the thing you get to the campsite is after eight. So you want to get in there and you want to shower and get some food quite quickly. It's a small space, so it's actually quite difficult to stretch out. If the weather's been good, we've had a couple of nights, it's been good. I stick a rug out on the grass and I can stretch out a wee bit and uh, move around a little bit. And then it's getting some food prep done and remember we've got dishes and all the mess that we made during the day um, that Gav's made lunches and stuff like that so it's, it's a bit of a kind of tidy up thing to try and get prepared for the next day I'll eat maybe not until half nine sometimes and then I want to be in bed for just after ten if I can but the thing is because you've been running all day and you've been on your own most of the day you kind of don't want to go to bed straight away. You want to spend some time just chatting and, and forgetting about the running for a bit. Um, so it's quite hard to try and force yourself to go to sleep at that point. And you're a wee bit buzzing as well because you're finished and uh, you maybe feel happy that you finished that section. Um, so that's been quite tricky to manage. Um, last night was slightly different because I was feeling kind of burst. Um, we both went to bed kind of early and we made the call last night to... Um, take an extra hour in the morning uh, and do do a slightly shorter section today so that actually I thought the benefit of that shorter section today would be tomorrow actually the benefit was today because I felt a lot better running towards this place thinking well I'm going to a hotel tonight and I'm going to be finished by six o'clock or whatever um, and have a wee bit more time so um, yeah I think we'll probably have to do like one easier day a week maybe just get into that rhythm and if we feel that we need to do more then we just have to do more I guess but and hopefully some of that benefit will roll over into tomorrow right because yeah, yeah. yeah but th- it sounds like you've almost had this kind of psychological fill-up as you've kind of switched the anticipation of finishing to be something sweet as opposed to something that feels um like uh, it just feels like you're stopping to do a whole bunch of other work, you know, stretch, food yeah. prep, maybe even yeah. maybe even your own work as well, where you're, you're, you're coaching clients and stuff. And see, when it comes to your, your nutrition, I'm assuming that you're really, really focusing on a good solid mix of um, healthy nutritional carbs and, and what have you, and then as much protein as you can get in as well, because obviously your, your muscles are needing as much recovery as possible. You don't have to promote that through the, your nutrition and the stretching and stuff you're doing, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We're we're eating a lot of real food, really. Um, Gav's been great, just making lunches and snacks and wraps and avocados and hummus and all that kind of stuff. And then we have like a really decent meal at night that we're just making in the van. So maybe pasta or gnocchi or some kind of stuff, frying vegetables and all that as much as I can. And then there there are other stuff that I'm just taking for kind of calories, you know. I've had a few vegan magnums, I must admit. <laughs> which, which, which I can do just in one go now, just out comes a stick. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and getting some extra protein shakes in and stuff like that at night, some recovery stuff. Um, during the day when I'm running, I've got some really good bars, like the Bella Forte bars are really tasty and it's like full of good, like crunchy nuts and stuff like that, which feel like you're eating something rather than just squeezing gels down your neck all the time. Yeah. Yeah, gels are, gels are just a break glass option, aren't they? You know, it's like yeah. they, they, they come last because I value my teeth, um, as usual, yeah, I think, and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Paul, I'm, I'm conscious that you're, you know, you've got your recovery um, process to go through and what we don't want to do is, is to um, take the extra time you've given yourself today to, to, um, to do all the talking here. So let's, um, let's think about wrapping it up and then we'll get this out for people to hear and then we can maybe agree to do a couple more, we can take that offline, but we'll yeah. do a couple more to keep people informed because I think it's really nice seeing Instagram stories, the Facebook updates, the pictures of those lovely sandwiches Gav's making is nice, mm-hmm. but actually hearing from you is good because the one thing I'll take away from the conversation, you sound buoyant, you sound like you're aware of the epicness of what you're doing but it's not intimidating you. It's just, it demands respect and it demands your full attention. And um, you sound like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting the battle and you're going to continue and you're going to run hard for the next few days and hopefully make your way through Wales and the, the upper lands of, what, what about England? We'd call it the Midlands if we were in England, wouldn't you? That's where you'll be yeah. this time next week or beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's how, that's how you sound to me. So I'm really pleased. And I mean, obviously, I've got eyes on you. People listening won't be able to see you, but I can see you. And you look not too bad, you know. Um, I mean, I'd quite like you not to shave your head for the next couple of weeks so we can see what the full beard and hair looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, like Forrest Gump beard. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but um, for people listening, what, what kind of last message would you give to them? We've obviously talked about getting them out on the trails or out there to help you. Is there anything you would put out to your people who are listening to the podcast you would like to see or hear from them? Yeah, if anybody wants to come out and run a couple of miles or 10 miles or um, just wants to give me a bit of a shout on social media, it's, it's hugely appreciated. Um, I think it's quite important that we build community and when you see community coming together and, and people connecting through the love of the sport, it's just, it's a it's a really important part for me and it's an important part in everything that I do. So um, even just sharing some time on the trails is great or even just talking about it on social media, it's like, stuff like this is more beneficial than all the other stuff that we've had to go through over the last 18 months and all the negativity and worries and concerns and stuff that maybe it's a kind of positive story. Maybe we're celebrating some of the amazing countryside we've got, nettles aside, <laughs> nettles and dikes aside. Um, but um, it's just a, it's a great country to to be part of and to run through and um, to see how other people uh, interact with the environment outside um, in their local areas is nice today. So it was a good example today to get a chance to run with someone who's local and uh, get some chat about another Roman fort, James, around past, which reminded me a lot of yours. 
Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> they are all over the country, but I think I think ours is the most northerly Roman frontier in the UK, up, up where I live. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not mine personally. Well, as I was even yeah. telling, I was like, oh, James, James has got one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got one of them. It stretches all the way across the country. Yeah. Has he got uh-huh. a big Roman steel head? That's the question. No, um, it doesn't. Yeah. So listen, mate, it's really, really, really good to hear from you. It's good to see you see you and hear you looking so buoyant. You've covered an amazing amount of ground with an amazing amount of vert. You've fought through some tough times, but you've also had some good times. And I suspect the next two or three, well, the next couple of weeks is going to bring more of that. So we'll catch up again. We'll let people hear from you again in the next week or so. Um, and we'll get this one out as quickly as possible for people to hear. Cool. So, thank you, James. Thanks so much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you.